Welcome, everybody, into another episode of The Damn Podcast with your hosts, Marcus Greaves and Angie Machado. Angie, offensively, this last game against the Sun Devils, I thought the Beavers actually didn't look too bad. Especially, you know, Jamar Jefferson, he had an outstanding game again. But, again, the defense is just killing us this season already. So, can you kind of just give us your thoughts offensively and defensively from the game? You know, like you said, Jamar Jefferson, oh, my gosh. If there's a bright spot in this team, it, it is him. Um, just magnificent running. I, I thought I like the adjustments that the offense made. I mean, they were – you know, five sacks is awful, but um, I saw the coaching staff make some adjustments, bring in some max protection, make those changes that, that needed to be changed. And, you know, I, I kind of compared this offense a little bit to 1998, back when – they kind of rode on, you know, Ken Simonton, the freshman running back, kind of carried this team or mm-hmm. carried the offense of the Beavers. And, and I think for the Oregon State, if they're going to be successful, you know, it's going to be an Art Pierce, Jamar Jefferson kind of carrying this team. But offensively, they didn't do, you know, it wasn't all world. It was still very inconsistent. But they did enough to, to keep it close or win the game. But defensively, I mean, they, they took a team that had the 106th-ranked rushing offense coming into the game, and they made them look like oh, all-stars. All yeah, they, yeah. It, was, it was crazy. And um, Benjamin for Arizona State, I mean, he's a good back. Don't get me wrong. You don't want to discredit someone who has a, a, a good oh, game completely. like that. But when you really look at it, and when I was breaking down the film, and it was just the fact that there's no way like he could have been wrong simply because – Either way, like say he gets an inside zone and he runs to the right, there was going to be a hole. Or he Mm -hmm. runs to the left, there's going to be a hole. And it's because, like we know, the defensive line has been struggling so much. From there, it's just a domino effect. It just the linebackers can't read well enough or I guess I should say quick enough because the defensive line doesn't get any push, so they already have linemen in their face. They're trying to shed tackles, and then obviously shedding tackles leads to arm tackles or shedding blocks, excuse me, and then those lead to arm tackles, and then that's when, uh, you know, a Division One Pac-12 running back is going to run through arm tackles. Yeah, yeah it's just yeah. realistic. It's how it goes. So that's why I was I was trying to figure out really if it was the linebackers or the defensive line. But overall, I mean, I really thought, you know, the, the defensive line and the linebackers played a really bad game. And that's why, Angel, we were talking about this off-air for a little bit. I'm just confused because, you know, I understood that the defensive line was going to need work. But the linebacking group I really thought was going to at least shine a lot more because you have Key Wetzel, you have Hamakar Rashid, Andre Hughes-Murray, um, John McCartan, these guys coming in, right? And sometimes safety's coming into the box too, like Jalen Moore. And so, and when they're in the box, right, and they stack the box, I feel like that's when defensively they're not terrible I think they started doing that against Nevada when Nevada started to run the ball a little bit on him but it's just like you said Angie it's just such a poor performance from the defense and we understand right and we were saying this off air again it's not like you're going to come in new coaching staff right the hype is there everyone's excited but this is the reality of it okay it takes steps it takes time like and you know Angie like I was saying a lot of people you know when they tweet at me and say well, is this coaching staff the right coaching staff, or is, or do we have the talent, or can they at least get talent? They can get talent because you see all those true freshmen, right, that are playing, and that's what you yeah. were saying, Angie. But defensively, it takes time. It's not like you know you get a new coaching staff and it's going to flip a switch. It doesn't work like that. And then the only place it works like that, you know, a good example is, it's a place like Alabama. It's a place like 
LSU, you know, these big time schools that talent just flips over, right? And it yeah, just keeps yeah. coming in, coming in, coming in. So, and we're finally starting to see it at USC. Like USC still gets talent, but even then you have to be well coached. And exactly. USC has obviously, you know, all the talent in the world. So does UCLA. But Hell UCLA. Yeah. And, and Nebraska, all these teams that are struggling in, they have all the talent. They're just not being coached well. And so it's two different sides. Like I think the Beavers are being coached well. They but, just don't have the level of talent. Yeah, they, they don't have the level of talent, and they're just not they're not there yet. But yeah. at a place like USC, UCLA, they have the talent, but they're not well coached. That, and that's you know, I, if there's a bright spot, I think that Beaver Nation should look to. I mean, when when Coach Smith was hired, I think everyone kind of realized that they weren't in for a quick fix. This wasn't bringing less miles in to try to flip something. This was a long term. This was a marathon, right? That it was going to be building a, a culture, a foundation. Um, and and we've talked we've already highlighted the the talent gap and and kind of where Oregon State is from a talent standpoint but i think as as beaver fans you sh- maybe should feel a little good about the future in that know that this staff knows what they need i mean we've seen that with with the transfers with Tristan Gebbia, Avery Roberts, Addison Gums that they've already got coming in and then you also look at the guys that are contributing, these true freshmen that they've recruited. You know, Jamar Jefferson was one of their recruits. So I think you should see that they do know what they need to compete. It's just going to take time. This, is a, this isn't going to be an immediate quick fix. Right. And like I was saying in the last podcast for those, again, I, I want to apologize. The rant? Yeah. No, I, I just <laughs> want to apologize ahead of time because I know a lot of people said they couldn't really hear it and it was kind of off, but... Like I said last time, it's not going to be like a season and then, okay, yeah, we took our L's and now it's time to to make a bowl game. It's not like that. Like this is a, a, a rebuilding process. And so, unfortunately, a team like Oregon doesn't really have to go through that because they have all that talent. And so when they do go through a quote-unquote rebuilding process, they still win five games. It's frustrating. I get it. But, it's, it, you know, it's just it's how it goes, you know, right? When you got Uncle Phil throwing millions of dollars your way for Oregon – you know, everything, shoes, Jordans, all that. It, I mean, it really does attract the right guys. Or yeah. I shouldn't say the right guys. It attracts talent. A and certain that's, subset yeah, of guys. Yeah, right. And it, flashy guys, stuff like that, exactly how Oregon is. But like I said, I get it. <laughs> we are it's over frustrating. Yeah, we are over losing. Trust me, I hate watching every moment of when Oregon State does not play good. I hate it. And I'm sitting there calling people out on the couch saying, okay, well, why isn't this guy doing this? Or why isn't this guy doing this? But I understand that when you have that many true freshmen play, right, and then you have guys who just really don't know how to win, it's hard because I think Oregon State got it, what was it? I think it was 24 to like 30, was it 30? 24, 30, uh, was it 38? Yeah, something like that. And, like, that's a manageable game, right? And you're like, okay, yeah. here they come. Like, Oregon State's coming back. This is a good game. Like, they could, if they get a couple stops, maybe a stop or two, it gets even closer, and then from there, you know, like I always say, if you're underdog, you just want to be in striking range. And I was like, okay, they're in striking range. Like, coming to the fourth quarter, they're in striking mm-hmm. range, let's do this. And, and the, the offense, you know, with some consistency, yeah. they, again, it's it's lack of execution in some in some regards, and it's penalties or, you know, missed, missed assignments, um, big sacks, taking sacks, not that a sack is ever at a, an opportune time, but you never want to take a sack when you're, you know, down in the red zone. Or, right. Um, there's, yeah, just. I mean, I don't want to say silly stuff either, but I think on offense, there's a lot of things that are fixable. Defensively, yeah. I, I, I keep hoping, I keep hoping that the coaching staff is going to at least try to do something to get these guys in a better position to make plays or to stop a run, and we just haven't seen that yet. Yeah, and I think the 
the difference between the offense and the defense is that the offense, like you said, they have the right schemes. They just make mistakes. Yeah. Defensively, I really do think that they have the right scheme in a way. I just think, you know, they for don't exa- have the horses to do it. Right. Exactly. Kind of like what we were saying is, yeah. is what are you going to do against, you know, like a Washington State? That's exactly what we were uh, talking about off air, yeah. Angie, is what do you do against a team like Washington State? Because if you stack the box, then you leave your, I mean, you know, you had, you leave your corners, your safeties kind of on islands, right? And then from there, it's just man coverage one-on-one. Okay, what are you going to do about it? But you stack the box and you try to get pressure. And under you know under pressure, some guys make mistakes, throw bad balls, or you know maybe you can get a sack or just make the QB uncomfortable and get him out of his rhythm. But like we said, it's just hard. Like it's easy for us because we're you know we're sitting behind mics, we're sitting behind TVs. But realistically, you know, being in that situation and understanding like okay. A lot of people don't understand what we're doing, but maybe, you know, maybe the coaching staff is doing something that they think is going to work. But, you know, I'm still I'm still kind of on that train, if that makes sense. I want I'm going to give them time because they have to really I mean, truly, they have to feel feel out like, okay, what's going to work and what's not going to work. Most for most of these coaches this is the first time they've ever coached against Pac-12 guys. Exactly. Exactly. And, and, And Jonathan Smith, too, is going to make rookie mistakes. And I do like his passion, his, you know, competitive fire, you know, going there's a time, you know, down in the red zone, they could have, after they got backed up, remember it was like first and goal or second yeah. goal, got backed up, and they could have gone for the field goal, and they went for it instead. They didn't get the touchdown, but he was going for it. Mm-hmm. Um, here's a stat, though, Marcus. I, I've been working this morning. Um, here is a stat that, to me, is just glaring. Sack numbers. Oregon State has had five sacks, the Oregon State defense. The Oregon State offensive line has given up 19. Jeez. Okay. Huge. Yeah. Huge. Huge. Five now, and we're—I mean, aside from Ohio State, we're not talking about really the, the other four opponents have not been anything special. Yeah, and well, that's the thing—we have to find a way. Yeah, we—I yeah, mean, we just to have to. Yeah, there's no other excuse because I think once we see the defensive line play play better. The linebackers play better. When we say the yeah. linebackers play better, then the safeties don't have to make every tackle, right? And, and you know, to me, and, and maybe I'm completely off, because I, I don't think these guys lack confidence per se, but I see from linebackers, I'm seeing tentativeness. And we're not seeing them just run to the swarm to the ball and, you know, be making plays. It's a tentative tentative nature that we're seeing, hesitant. And I think if the defensive line was able to, you know, cause create a little more pressure, maybe everyone would play with a little more a little more uh, yeah, confidence. Yeah, they just look like they – it's not that they don't know what they're doing because yeah, I think they yeah. do because they're in the right places. They're just unsure. And so if you're unsure when you play football, it's not good, right? And yeah. it's – before I say that, maybe someone's going to, excuse me, take that in a way that, like I said with Coach Anderson, where you were you were scared. No, they're not scared. They're you scared. can tell that they understand what they're doing. They're just hesitant. And I don't know why. If I had all the answers, maybe I wouldn't be – yeah, you know, we wouldn't be sitting here talking about it, but <laughs> um, I just think it's it's just their ability to learn how to win. They have to yep. learn how to win. They just don't, right? And so, and there's like, that mentality, right? And I, yeah. I heard last year, last week it was a little frightening because I heard from some close t- closely tied in sources that some of the players were saying it felt like last year, and you can't have that mentality. And, and it takes some time, right? It's going to take some time to weed out some of those guys that maybe still have that mentality. Right. Because you, you can't have that. Yeah, exactly. And that's what I was going to say because, you know, when we were talking about that a little off air, I was a little frustrated because I was like, well, regardless, it's, you know, the same players are saying that. So it's time, it, you know, I get it. As a player, if something doesn't go your way, 
And it's for, you know, it goes along for anything in life. You don't want to take the blame for it, right? You don't want to be the problem or you don't want to be the reason. But if you're not getting your way, for example, if you don't get in, right? You don't get in for a reason. You know, my reason why I didn't get in a lot was because I couldn't block. And then when I started to learn how to block, I got in. And that's why I'm trying to, that's why I keep saying that and keep using that example because it's the realest example I can give because, you know, there's plenty of talent. Like, and when I say there's plenty of talent, there's plenty of guys who could be good. It's like we say, it's on them, you know, and I don't know how it is if they go party on the weekends because I don't know, I'm an old man, I'm asleep by like nine o'clock, but this is like you need to take it upon yourself as a player to change your mentality. I don't know what you have to do. Go watch motivational videos. Go watch like Mike Tyson. I don't care, but quit, right? Like they have to just quit complaining. Whoever, and I'm not saying it's all the players. You know, who knows? It might just be one or two. But whoever they are, you can't have that mentality and try to flip a program, right? Everyone has to have the mentality. And that's that's exactly why Colorado and Coach McIntyre at Colorado, I give him all the praise in the world because, like I said, I used to remember making fun of people. Like, I remember I had a lot of my friends who were Colorado fans. I was like, why are you a Colorado fan, right? Colorado sucks. Like, Colorado's not good. They're getting blown out 77-7 to every game. But what happened, they finally got a group of guys who came in. They had – uh, plenty of guys who had the right mentality that, okay, yeah, we might be underrated guys like prospect-wise, but we're going to flip it because we're going to do nothing but work hard and we're going to find a way to win. And we're like, we don't care about the mentality, you know, or what people think about us. We are going to change it. And I think the difference is right now is that Oregon State has a lot of guys who are saying that, but they need to, they need to really do it. And that's why we were saying, Angie, you know, last week, when someone like Key Wetzel or someone like Hamakar Rashid, right, if they had a bad game, and they had a bad game, and they know they did. And that's why they're like, they were frustrated, they were pissed off, and so they went to the gym, right, and they're putting in extra work, right? And then this week, they looked a little better. They still struggled because I followed that because I wanted to see, you know, what that was going to do for them. But even then, you see it like they want to win. They have that will to win. That's why, you know, every time, even if I, you know, for example, my first two seasons, I barely got in. I think I got in like 10 plays. Like, but I was so upset when we would lose. I would still cry. And that's the thing. Like, we had players who every single game, we if we lost, they cried. And that's what, yeah. you know, realistically, that's what you need, right? And a lot of people are like, well, don't cry. Hold your head up high. No, like, if no, you dedicate yeah. and put your heart and soul into this, right, it's a passion. And then that's when the flips, uh, the the it flips and everybody is on this winning train in this winning mentality but you know when it, you see it's you take a l and then guys go home like man like oh well you know and it's it, a big thing is with the young guys oh well i still got a couple seasons right yeah, and yeah. that's where you can't have that like that's a big red flag and i really think the coaching staff is is changing that mentality i can't even remember the uh the strength coaches I don't even remember his name, but I talked to that dude, and I was like, "This dude is Coach for McDonald. real." Yeah, Coach McDonald is for real. Like he, yeah. he wants to win, and he has like so he just like Coach Simon, he has like a crazy like I want to win so bad look in his eye, right? Yeah, and, yeah, and that's what you need, right? And so now it's you know we need, and I always just do this from a player standpoint. I think it's time that whatever it is that we don't blame the coaches, but it's time for the players to really flip it. And I'm yeah, and I've yeah. said that in the springtime, I was like, you know, if there's guys who are out there partying, you like other players should be on their ass and like yeah. screaming. I'm saying I do not want you on the practice field. Like if you're not going to come out and practice as hard as you can, 
then don't come out on the practice field. Like that's and I love having your take because you know from from my my standpoint kind of all along is you know I I take that oh, the guys are trying hard and it's on the coaches you know they're making a yeah. million dollars to coach these kids but you're right you're right this it, at some level the coaches can only only tell them so much and tell and it's not until they want it so bad that they're willing to you know kind of police each other yeah. And well, and that's what I'm saying. Like, what are you like? What are these players willing to sacrifice in order to be good, right? Yeah. If it's uh, you know, and like I said, I have no idea. I just know this for example. I have no idea if they go out and party, but if these guys are partying after a home game loss, that is the problem. Like, are you willing to sacrifice being cool at your school in order to win games? And you know, I don't. You know, <laughs> I look at being cool as we're winning football games and exactly. we're going to bowl say, games. If they're cool out uh, partying, they'll be way cooler. That's what I'm saying. Like. Yeah. And it's just it's just realistic, you know, from a player standpoint, Angie, like, you know, like you just pointed out, it's just different because I think a lot of people put it on the coaching staff. And I get that, you know, like the last coaching staff, that was completely on them. Right. We yeah. know that. And it was like just a big meltdown. Recruiting when they ran bad. players off. I mean, yeah. I mean, I, I keep thinking, you know, I, what would have happened? A recruiting wasn't great under that last staff. And then they ran off some of the guys that maybe could have been difference makers this year. So. Right, and and that's what I'm saying. They ran off a lot of people like that. A good example, like I always say, one of my good friends. Marcus Rick, McMarion. Rick, Marcus McMarion and Richard Mullaney. I always and say Mullaney, Marcus, yes. but Richard Mullaney, I, and he went off the map for a little bit, and I don't think people remembered what where he went or what he did. This dude left because I recall someone telling him, someone on the coaching staff, it wasn't Coach Brennan, though, because I remember. Yeah, it wasn't Brennan. I think it was Coach Anderson because after our, like, we get spring evaluations and you sit down, and that's kind of, you know, a lot of guys got nervous there because with that coaching staff, they're just booting people out, kicking people out, telling them, like, yeah, go play somewhere else, man, because this isn't the place for you. You're not going to play yeah, here. Yeah, we're about yeah. to take off. And then he, they told Richard that. They said, yeah, you don't really fit our scheme. And I was like. And he went to And he went to Alabama, Alabama. for three weeks. Came out the first game as a starting slot receiver, was our second best receiver behind Calvin Ridley, and won a national championship. And that is the guy that we told he was not good enough to play at Oregon State. And I'm like, see, that's and that's the problem. See, that's yeah. the kind of stuff that you don't want in your coaching staff. But these guys, it's not like, you know, it's not like these coaches are they're trying to find ways to to fire these guys up because yeah. I feel like after being beat up and taking so many L's and you know, all these games, it's hard to find confidence, right? Even if yeah. you show it, like, you know, you're yelling, screaming, you acting excited and playing with some slack, it's hard to, like, deep down as a player, I know for a fact, it's hard to just come out and be confident because in that season, I think we went 2-10, and 10, I had zero confidence we'd run, when we would run on yeah. the field. And yeah. I know I was part of the problem, and that's why I said a player like Devin Chappelle was like, listen, man, if you're going to come out with zero confidence, then get the hell off my team. And I was like, okay, well, I'm going to flip this then because I don't want to be kicked off the team, right? But it's that's just how it is. Like, the mentality has to change. And that's so, why I say— Totally changing the subject for really quick, but just talking about Richard Mullaney. Yeah. I just got this text from a, a friend of mine. Um, Richard Mullaney and Brandon Arnold have been picked up by the newly announced Phoenix Alliance of American Football Like. Oh yeah. So they will be playing in Phoenix. I believe that is is that Coach Newheisel? Is he the coach yeah, there? Yeah, I think so. So yeah, there you go. See? That's good. That's good for That's me. Good. <laughs> right. Little, little. Yeah. But all right, I'll be done with that rant. Basically, long story <laughs> short, I just think the players need it. It's on the players now, right? If it yeah. was on the coaches, I think we would all know. And the players and it, like I said, it's it might not be 
the majority of the players, and heck, it might just be two or one player, right? Whatever it is, but. And I get it, right? I mean, I get it's kind of like everything's kind of been kind of shitty, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, you have injuries and you have guys out, and um, it's kind of like, okay, this guy's looking, Jeremy Reichner's looking good at fall camp, then he gets injured, and, you know, depth isn't great, and you already are struggling anyway. But at some point, somebody's got to step up and be like, you know, this sucks. Mm-hmm. You know, let's change this and at least, you know, be more competitive. I mean, seriously, they have given up so many yards running. It's not even funny. Yeah, they have. It's And it's just different, I think, because we – I don't want to say it's different, but maybe it's just because – and even myself, I had at least a little bit more expectations – for the team, right? And that's, you know, that's what I'm saying. Maybe we're getting, unfortunately, and I don't want to, maybe it's the wrong word to use, so if you think it's the wrong word to use, somebody let me know. But maybe we're just a little too greedy right now because with the players, with the situations, with maybe injury or just not understanding or whatever whatever the case is, maybe we're just getting too greedy because we thought this team was really going to be better than what they've been showing these past two games. But maybe, like we said, Angie, it's a legit full rebuild like I know we highlight players but maybe it's a legit full rebuild it it is but (laughs) it is (laughs) unfortunately but yeah but like you said there's bright spots so we don't always want to be the burdens of or however that saying is I still can't even figure it out of bad news but maybe uh, let's talk about some some bright spots I just want to highlight Jamar Jefferson again not only is his vision like on a whole different level but his ability to break tackles and keep running after contact I think he was rated number one I think in the Pac-12 for that as well as the 2000 so yeah in this season so far 2018 the Pac-12 rushing yards okay I'll just give you the top three give me the top three so we have Jamar Jefferson is number one as a true freshman with 772 rushing yards nice which is that is huge that is unreal for a true freshman like that's big. That's like you don't see. And he's not that. even halfway through the season, right? Not even halfway through the season, and he's crushing rushing yards in games. It's un- it's unbelievable. I think he's a great player. And then you have Benjamin, only because he ran what three hundred and three hundred and like fifteen. Yeah, three hundred fifteen yards yesterday. If not, he would be at like two hundred and thirty. And then JJ Taylor because he had a big game against Oregon that's State that's as well. Eight. Yeah. So the, it's it's frustrating. We get it. But we always, you know, it's always nice to highlight some bright spots. Yeah, and you know, my other bright spot is kind of more of a, an entire team takeaway. Is you know, last week against Arizona, I thought the team came out flat. I didn't think they responded well. This week, I, I saw some fight still. So I, mm-hmm. I was just really watching that. You know, I've said that all along this whole season. Is I'll be watching for how this team, just their body language and how they respond. And while their heads were hanging after the game, yeah, it's painful. It's painful to lose, but. I, I felt they fought. You know, they went down pretty big and came back. I mean, they had it within 14 a couple times. Mm-hmm. And, um, yeah, I still couldn't figure out why Herm Edwards left his starters in and was bombing it down the field and keel. But Yeah, it's because it's, it's Herm. I mean, and realistically, that's that's the problem because when they leave the starters in right there, they they did the same thing Ohio State did. They didn't want yeah. to make it look close because it's going to look bad for them in the end because yeah. they think they're going to go to a bowl game. So – if obviously a game against a team like Oregon State who's been struggling these past couple seasons, it's close, and they're like, okay, well, that's a problem now. You know, maybe they don't get the vote that they want for a bowl game or whatever it is, but I think, you know, some positive – I mean, there is positive takeaways. I think Jalen Moore played actually pretty good yesterday. 
You know, yeah, he did. He did play good, and I was impressed. I thought uh, Jeffrey Manning Jr. played really good. First start for yeah. the redshirt freshman. He, I think he played really good. So, it's. I mean, it was. It's. It's struggling and whatever it is for the defense. Offensively, it's inconsistency. But I think those things can flip. It just takes time, like a full rebuilding. And I was always so confident when I would come, you know, obviously behind this mic and talk about, you know, they have great players. They have all this. So maybe they won't be as bad as we think. I don't want to say, I mean, they legit are just not a good team right now. And that's just being 100% realistic. So it's hard. It was hard for me to swallow because a lot of those players are still, you know, I'm still close with them. And, you know, I always want to try to talk them up any way I can, but I can't be biased, right? It, it's just the position I'm in now. You can't be biased. Oregon State's just a, not a good football team right now. And so yeah. whenever the players buy in, because I don't want to put on the coaches, I think the coaches are good, when the players buy in, every single one of them, whoever, however many are on the roster, I think 104, 105, whenever all those guys buy in is when it'll flip. I agree. Well, Angie, we got that out of the way. That wasn't too yes. bad. Is it uh, time for some damn questions? It is time for some damn questions. Damn questions are brought to you by Body of Health Chiropractic and Wellness Center. Dr. Jason Young has been the chiropractor for Oregon State Athletics since 2011. Go to yourbodyofhealth.com for more information. So, Marcus, I've, I've got a couple pulled up here um, right away. First, I'm going to, um, well, these are both Quasimodo14 and Matt Chiafoni on Blitz. Kind of have similar here. Um, it's about defense. We've talked about it. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, Quasimo, I'm, I'm going to read both because they kind of are together and we've kind of talked about it, but just one more time here. So everyone is talking about the defense and it's pretty demoralizing. In you and Marcus's opinion, what is truly wrong? Scheme, talent, tackling, combination of everything. If it's a combination, what things can quickly be addressed and what will take longer? And then Matt asks, asks the question about how you have said in the past that there is talent on the defense. Mm. Matt says, if you are right – then the scheme is awful and Tibbs should be fired immediately. He okay. said, if, if Marcus is wrong and there's not talent, then he, he says laughing, laughingly, um, he should be fired from podcasting because he's a poor judge of talent. And he goes, <laughs> and then I can slide in and take over. Hey, if he wants to take over, uh, <laughs> <laughs> that's not up to me. That's up to Angie. So, yeah, if you, uh, if you get on Angie's good side, then – I guess my spot is gone, but <laughs> no, no Marcus, but, uh, Marcus brings a lot. So I think we do. And I think it's hard for someone that's, I mean, it's Marcus is super close to these players. You know, he, he knows these guys are his friends, his peers. It's hard for me sometimes to be objective. When I, you get to know these guys, you know, their families, you don't want to bash these guys. Mm-hmm. Um, at the time right now though, I will say, I, I mean, I'll say it. They don't have enough talent on the roster to be totally dominating Pac-12 teams. Yeah, yeah, and they, I mean, they certainly don't have, you know, a full roster of talent. I think, like we said, I think someone like Hamakar Rashid, who, you know, was had interest from maybe in Arizona State, Arizona, whatever it is, I think, I think that the, the year, basically, that, because when you look at it, uh, I'm sorry, I'm not trying to juggle my words here, but a good example, Jamar Jefferson, right? That's your guy. Like, that's a Smith guy. So that's maybe one of few Smith guys who are playing right away or one of the freshmen. But then you look at it, someone like Hamakar Rashid, right? He has all. He has a body type. He has everything he needs or anybody like that, right? He has the frame and he has the raw, the raw talent. But that's where you have to be developed 
by a coach. Like you go to like if you if every player came into college ready to play right away, right, then the NFL would be a, a completely different story because yeah. it would just be all these young kids playing. But right, that's why you redshirt, you develop, you do all that. But realistically, I I really don't think that Hamakar example Hamakar Rashid got a lot better from when he first got to Oregon State to you know his redshirt season. Or yeah, right. And so now, I think he's he's evolved his game on his own and with the help of Coach Smith and his staff. But I just really don't see how, you know, the last coaching staff how they really developed the defensive players very well. And I really don't think that you know. And it goes for offensively too. I just don't think the coaching staff really developed the players like they should have because we see it like. You know, I was looking at the line. I was like, damn, like the defensive line just looks so small compared to everybody that they play, right? And you have someone like Elu who's big, but he, they just, you know, as a whole, they just don't look big enough and they don't look they don't look like they've been developed right. And it takes time to develop players and stuff like that, but, you know, that's just my take on it. Maybe I didn't and, even answer the question. but And at Quasimodo's point, yeah, it's totally demoralizing. I mean, try writing every single day. This is my livelihood and to try to um, write about every day. It's, it gets tough, right? Um, I don't think it's a scheme. Now, I would like to see the coaches try to, to put some wrinkles in that maybe could help the players be in a better position. Um, but there's, I don't see a quick fix. This is a, a, a talent issue. I, I do think next year will look different because I think you're going to see an entirely different front seven. I mean, right now, Jonathan Willis and – Doug Damalau have really been struggling inside linebackers. So, you know, take a look at Avery Roberts and Omar Spates next year. They'll be your inside linebackers, most mm-hmm. likely. Um, it'll it'll have a different look, a different feel. But um, I don't see anything aside from Marcus's, you know, light switch flipping with the team as a whole this year. Right, and I th- I mean those are good questions. By the way, yeah, come take my podcast spot. Please, I'm just kidding. <laughs> I'm just kidding. I really love doing this, but um, those are great questions, and I don't even know if I answered them how they wanted to. So I apologize. Uh, I apologize if I didn't. But Angie, I got a question for both of us again. Um, <laughs> this is from Eric. I don't even know how to say his last name. Jeez, I'm so bad at reading names. But he says, "Why are we such a bad tackling team?" I, I was going to say that's um, <laughs> here for the Beavers has posted and. Shout out to you because you you talked about your wife being new to watching football and enjoying it, and uh, that was the exact same. His wife had the question of how do the Beavers improve tackling? Mm -hmm. Well, it's like we said. I to be a hundred percent honest, when with that last step, and I know I was on the offensive side of the field, so you know whatever it is, but I didn't see them do a lot of tackling drills. Now we see. I mean. They're not, don't get me wrong, they're better than they were last season, but that's not saying a lot because they were absolutely, I would say that they were probably in the top three worst tackling teams in college football last season. Mm-hmm. But now they've improved a little bit, but even then it's still not good. But these, like, you have to do these kind of drills, like, and they suck as a player. Like, you never, like, they used to make running backs sometimes do tackling drills. I hated doing them. You never want to <laughs> do them because. <laughs> It's just, you know, you don't want to do it. Like, who wants to do that, especially as an offensive player? But those are the kind of things that you need because, for example, we all did that in Oregon State special teams my last season. We we were actually pretty good, and it's because we, we did 
tackling drills as a unit. Not, you know, it was only because Coach Cook has made us do it, but um, and he still makes him do it right. And so that's why I don't think the special teams are horrible. But, you know, defensively, the coaching staff now makes him do tackling drills, makes him do basic, you know, before you can walk, you got to crawl, you know, kind of drills. And it's frustrating as a player because you're like, well, I'm coming in and I'm ready just to play right away. I know how to tackle. Well, unfortunately, no, you don't. Because yeah, because right you've now. been bad habits. You've picked up bad habits. Yeah, and way. you and that's what I'm saying. The there was no discipline in in the yeah. last staff with the with just the co- the strength coaches. There was a crazy amount of discipline. It was horrible because we always had to do up downs. But with the actual football coaching staff, no, there wasn't because they like you like we see now. They picked up really bad habits. A lot of arm tackling. Well, and and then we see it. Just I mean, you think about these kids that are coming to play. They were probably the best player on the in the whole field. They were able to get by maybe arm tackling in high school. Right, and it that, was not a big deal. They, but they can't do that at this level. Right, and that's something like I learned. You know, especially playing in Central Oregon, I was easily the best player on the field yeah. with those guys. Yeah. Right, and I was, you know, I didn't have to work on jump cuts or anything like that because all I really had to do was try to you know make one. One miss. One cut, right, and then yeah. I could just outrun everybody. And then when I got to college football, I was like, whoa, this is different because I tried to do that, and I was getting you know, tackled behind the line every single time. And then I had to develop my game. And Coach Riley and his staff started to develop my game, but then you know, it didn't really get any better with this next or with the last staff. And then from there, I had to take it on, you know, upon myself to develop some more and you know, train kind of – you know, reach out to Evanson Bernard or reach out to the, one of the Roger brothers or something like that, right? That's the kind of stuff I had to do. But, you know, it's just they have to break the bad habit of tackling. And it's a, yeah. it's a hard – I mean, it's hard to break any bad habit, but this is like if they don't break this habit, like I am going to run through my TV because I can't stand watching. <laughs> Every single time someone's in the hole about to make a great play, right, they put their head down – and, and they don't, and, and they yeah. end up on the ground, right? There. And then someone else breaks it for five more yards. It's yep. it's frustrating. And I know where these, you know, I know where the fans are coming from, because especially being on the sideline, you see that you're like, damn, man, come on, like that could have been a big third down play, and now yep. we could have got the ball back. But you know, I don't know. That's just what. Okay, I, so what in the blue hell OSU on Blitz asks? How do you sell the better recruits that could change the program? A vision. He goes, it's really hard to see anything but mediocrity going forward with the rise of Cal, Wazoo, Colorado, and Utah, the teams that we compete with for a number of these types of recruits. Mm-hmm. Well, I would say as a player, you look at it because I could have went to University of Oregon, but I didn't. Because Thank God. <laughs> right? Well, that's just because Coach Green Ryan, and yellow are not your color. They're not. Oh, I would look terrible in it. Yeah, when yeah. I put that jersey on, I was like, this is horrible. Yeah. But, yeah. <laughs> but just when Co- you know, Coach Riley sold me on the fact that yeah, he he gets it that every you know every year we're not we're we might not win twelve or eleven games right we're not going to but what we are going to do is develop you into a great football player we're gonna you know we put guys in the NFL that's another thing I think the last mm-hmm. you know the coach Riley staff could say is that we get talent we turn them into NFL players yeah and I think that's you know that's a good way to sell a kid but you know if it's not flash and it's not wins how do you sell them. I don't know, <laughs> right? It's yeah, I think it's more now of, listen, if you come here, right, and these kids that are coming to Oregon State now know that they're not going to, you know, maybe it's not a bowl game my first season. Maybe it's not a bowl game my second season. But I'm going to play right away, and I'm going to develop into, you know, I get to be maybe a three-year starter, and then from there we could take off. Or from there, yeah. we know, something like, you know, along the lines of that. But I think that's the best way that they're going to have to sell it right now because it's not showing up in wins and losses. But – 
you know, what I, I got to talk to, uh, actually, this is off topic, but I got to talk to Sawyer Racanelli, who was a, you know, I did his play-by-play. Oregon State, I think, offered him Angie. He's from Hawkinson High School in Washington. Okay, yep, yep. Um, yeah, he's like a 6'5", 200-pound receiver. And I was kind of just asking him, you know, I didn't tell him I played at Oregon State. I was just asking him kind of like, you know, what what kind of things are you looking for, you know, in a school and why why would you be interested in Oregon State right I was like well they're not winning he's like I know but I can I know I could go there I could play and then we can develop obviously and we could be good right we can be good we have there's talent there and I was like okay that's what I like to hear and then from there like I told him I played Oregon State he was like okay blah 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 but you know and when I watched him play Angie that kid's unbelievable like that's a kind of guy that Oregon State needs to get and Oregon State they're smart because they were the first ones to offer him like Arizona State Arizona are kind of interested you know, Washington State's kind of interested, but this is the kind of stuff you need to do is you need to you need to sell whatever idea you can to these kids young. Because as a junior, now he's like, okay, well, Oregon State was the first ones to offer me. I'm loyal to them. Just like yeah, Jamar yeah. Jefferson. Oregon State were the first ones to be like, yeah. yo, you're the real deal. But then USC and all these big schools came after him late, and he was like, well, you guys just want me for your numbers, right? You don't want me because you really thought that I could flip the program. And yeah. so maybe that's – I mean, that's just – that's I think that's the best way to describe that. Um, so here's here's one for you. CB says, um, "Is the low ego, high output working on the defensive side? I see kids afraid of contact, out of position. Do we need more fire and energy from the defensive coaches? I feel that the defense requires a killer mindset that I'm just not seeing. Did it, Smith make the right hire in Tibisar? I mean, again, I don't want to bash a coach already. What are they? Four games in, right? We can't. Five games. Yeah, yeah, five games, and we can't. Yeah, you got to let them have some recruits, and yeah, you got to you got to give them time. And that anyone, and I'm not saying like whoever asked that question doesn't know football by any means, but I'm just saying you know a lot of people outside looking in would say, okay, well, if someone like Marcus says we have talent, then why aren't we winning? And I feel like maybe that's what a lot of people are thinking, but it really, you know, it really comes down to you have the right guys. You want, but you want to stay consistent because you have to feel bad for these players because they've gone through so much coaching staff, so much like different technique. Like some one coach wants them to run it this way, one coach wants to run them that way. Like it's hard as a player because you just you just don't know what to do because you're like, okay, well, it's breaking a bad habit, like we said, Angie. It's mm-hmm. it's okay. Well, these are the kind of drills that we did. This is what I. This is how they showed me how to tackle. And obviously, the last the way that the last you know people showed them how to tackle didn't work because they were horrible at it. Yeah. But it's just breaking the bad habit and trying to bring back their confidence back up because they don't have it. I mean, they like I said, you could tell that they are confident players, but as a team they're not confident. Like yeah. they don't trust yeah. in one another. Like you can tell that the linebackers are like, okay, well, I know the defensive line isn't going to get a push, so I have to be – that's why they're timid because they're – they have they're to They're waiting. Able, yeah, yeah, they're waiting to, okay, well, he's not going to do his job, so maybe I have to do this or maybe I have yeah. to do that. And you could tell that it's like that. Yes, completely. Uh, Angie, I have one for you. I think you would know a lot better. Um, any word on Hodgins that season or that injury looks season ending? And that's from Spencer Relater. Spencer Relater. Um, you know, we don't have any update. It is hamstring. I, I don't know how severe. And Coach Smith didn't have an update last night either. So, um, you know, stay tuned on that one. I first I thought it might be a cramp because he did walk off the field, mm-hmm. but um, with him not coming in, it wasn't a cramp because. A cramp, he would have been back in. So hopefully, it's maybe a minor, a minor tweak. I don't know, but hopefully, um, we'll know more tomorrow when Smith meets the press. All right, Angie, I have another one for you. 
Okay. Uh, is oh, is it Reichner? Right? That's how I say his Jeremy name. Reichner. Yeah. Uh-huh. Is Reichner's return going to make a big difference for the defense enough to win a game? Question mark. You know, I I don't know honestly. He was looking so good in fall camp and was it was such a force, but. He's been out now for, mm-hmm. what, six, eight weeks. So you just never know how ready he'll be and, and how physical he'll you know, be right out of the gate. You can't rush it too much because sometimes foot injuries can be re-aggravated. So mm-hmm. um, I, I, I don't know. I, I honestly, I, I wish I could say, yes, he's going to be <laughs> yeah. the one difference maker. But um, I, honestly, I just haven't liked what I've seen at all from the defensive line. So, um yeah, I, I was going to say one any, guy is going yeah. to be that big of a difference. Yeah, I was going to say, I mean, he'll give him more depth, and maybe from there he could like be a, a leader and and spark something up. But I mean, he's not going to like walk in and get five yeah. sacks and yeah. Be I mean, if he does, by all means, please do. Yeah, <laughs> please, I I would beg you to do that. But you know, it's 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 just being realistic. It it'll give him more depth is what I I guess I'm trying to say. It'll give yeah. him more depth and. Maybe from there, more bodies will make it a little easier so the guys don't get as tired for the second half. But, yeah, unless he's coming in making five, you know, getting four or five sacks alone, then I don't think, you know, it'll be enough to win a game. Yeah, especially when you start looking ahead at the games they have left. I mean, Washington State, Cal, and then you're at Colorado, who they're looking totally solid. And then, yeah, I I hate being the Debbie Downer here, but Mm -hmm. um, (laughs) it's not getting any easier. As we go forward. Right. And it's, you know, it's, it's just, it's growing pains. It's what we're going to have to go through. And no fan wants to hear it, but it's just realistic. We have to go through this. You know, you got to go through the bad to get through the good. That's right. That's and exactly event, right. And it w- wasn't that how it was, though, in the past? Like you said in the early, it was the early 90s or late 80s that Oregon State was horrible, right? And well, then, I don't, yeah, they were horrible, yeah. I, I was going to say I don't remember a lot. I, I mean, I was a student in the in the 90s, but... Um, 98, they, that was the year that they kind of, that was the double overtime civil war when Ken Simonton was a true freshman. Um, yeah, that year you could, you started to see a little, you know, and honestly, 97 wasn't, you know, there was a, a you know, that was coach Riley's first year. There was, there was, you know, there was some talent and Oki Brechterfield was on that team and, but 98, you actually, I think they won four games that year and that was huge. This was a team that had won like one or two you know, mm-hmm. for years and years and years. So um, Ken Simonton really was that leader that I really think Oregon State needs to find. He's that vocal guy that really, I think, kind of had come to Jesus meetings with the, with the team. Like, dude, we're going to win. I didn't come here to lose. Mm-hmm. We're going to win. And four wins in 90, uh, 98, capped by that, uh, that big Fiesta Bowl year. Or not Fiesta Bowl, the um, Civil War. And then that right after that 98 Civil War, and you know, Beaver fans then are kind of feeling optimistic. It's like, wow, four wins? Yeah. Beat the Ducks? I mean, this is crazy. And then Coach Riley left for the Chargers. And it kind of felt like all the wind just got sucked right out of your sails. You're just like, yeah, I'm a Beaver fan. <laughs> yeah. That's how it rolls. And then the next thing you know, Coach Erickson's hired. And you know that, that 2000 year was – so 99, they went to their first bowl game in you know. 30 years or what, yeah. what have you. Um, it was in Hawaii. And you're kind of like, okay. And then they got these, you know, you had the the presidents, the, the two D linemen, the two defensive ends. You had, I mean, the defense was just unreal. And then you plugged in a couple JUCO running back, or, uh, wide receivers with Chad Johnson and TJ Hushmanzada and just those extra little pieces and then that swagger. And that team had 
it. Yeah. You know, it had that quality about it. And like I said, I, I strongly believe, I mean, I think Smith had something to do with it, but that was like, that was Ken Simonton. That was, you know, Darnell Robinson. That was Richard Sigler and, and Nick Barnett. I mean, that team had more confidence than probably they needed, but mm-hmm. um, it just takes one. And I think Ken Simonton probably did more for this program than just wins and losses. He, he changed that mentality. Mm-hmm. And it, it can happen. Yeah, real you know, real quick before this last question, Angie, is that, you know, maybe that is a good way to look at it is that might be the Jamar Jefferson. Exactly. Right? And I, I said that last night in the lodge. I was, you know, we were live talking during live uh, on the on the lodge. And I said, you know, I, I just feel that Jamar could be that Ken Simonton mm-hmm. and, you know, put this team on his back and, and really maybe, you know, sometimes a freshman can do that in yeah. the locker room. And, you know, maybe that's the case. But, Angie, this is the last question. Um, this is by Just Beavit. Um, the question Just is, is, nice, Oregon's, nice <laughs> or, is Oregon State the worst Power 5 program of all time? Which is a big no. No, not no. of all time. No, There because... were some bad teams, I think, in the 80s. But you've got Kansas. you got Rutgers. you got, yeah, no. Yeah. And we're I not mean, even the worst this year. Well, and Close, but. <laughs> well, and like we said, because. Because Colorado was bad, Angie. Like, Colorado was a team that couldn't win. They they were I – I don't want to say they were in the same boat as Oregon State, or maybe they were, but they were getting blown out like 77-7 to every game. Like, something like that. Like, it was bad. There was yeah. No, there was no chance. Oh, yeah, and they flipped it pretty quickly. Right, and they did flip it. And that's – like, that's what – you know, I get it. That's what Oregon State fans want to see. And maybe it will happen, maybe it won't. Like – but we just have to realize it's not like an overnight thing because Colorado went on quite a bit of time of losing. And I and I don't know if Washington State did. I thought they did early in the 2000s or yeah, later in the 2000s. Yeah, they've kind of been up and down, yeah. Yeah, yeah, but because I know one season or a couple seasons they were really good, but it just happens. It's how college football goes. Like Kentucky used to be really bad. Now Kentucky's in the top 25. Like it's just, you know, maybe it's timing, it's recruiting, but – a thing to always like a thing to look at is that yeah these past what five or six seasons haven't been the best for Oregon State but you just have to look how much change these kids have gone through and we always you know we look at it from outside in like okay well they're not winning they have a new coach he should be getting them to win but they're not winning but whatever it is but like these players have been through so many coaches I mean coaching changes whether it be a coordinator or just their position coach or coaches, or the, or a head coach. Like it's hard to you like you need consistency and you need foundation, and that's what you know Oregon State hasn't had. So that's why we have to give a staff like this time, so they can change it. So hopefully we're not the worst Power Five team of all time, right? But you just need to build a foundation, so we have something to build off, and then that's when programs turn to be great. But when you just keep flipping, you know, coaches after coaches after coaches, it's hard. Like, and Mm -hmm. you just can't have that with, if you want consistency. Absolutely. Well, Angie, another week, another week we will, you know, Oh, how about this really quick? Um, give me a key to beating Washington state. Um, well, I'd say stop the run. I, that Washington state (laughs) doesn't run. They ran for zero yards this week. Um, but damn, I almost think I'd try it against Oregon State. Right, but, um, you would. <laughs> but uh, no, I want to see consistency on the offense. Mm-hmm. Score some points. They need to score over 30 points and uh, see some consistency. 
Right, and that's, I mean, I want to see consistency offensively, but defensively, this, I mean, Washington State has great offensive linemen. That's why they yeah. run this kind of offense. If I'm Oregon State, I'm stacking the box because at this point, They've the, got to put some pressure on Yeah, the you have to because that guy is going to pick you apart. And he yeah. that's what he did to Utah. Utah, you know, they had they didn't bring a lot of pressure in that game when they I mean they just went to Washington State and lost yesterday. So you have to put pressure on him. You have to do stuff like that because he's going to sit back and pick you apart and that's the whole point of Washington's or Washington State's offense is because okay, if you can't get pressure on us, then you know we could just keep throwing the ball, but part, then yeah. yeah, but then if you bring pressure, like you stack the box and bring you know five or six at a time, then you leave your defensive backs, especially your corners, on islands, and then from there, okay, well, all you have to do is run either comebacks, either out, I mean, quick outs or slants or stuff like that, because those are the kind of things you run against man to get open. And so Oregon State's gonna have to decide: do they trust in their you know defensive backs enough, and are they good enough to? you know, be on islands with these guys just so they can get some pressure and maybe, you know, force bad decisions. Bad decisions. Yeah, or something because you can't just sit back, you know, in zone and, you know, try to beat this team because offensively Washington State's too good. Defensively yeah. they're pretty dang good too, so you're going to have to find a way to beat that. I'll, I'm going to – I'll do a little breakdown for you, Angie, on that as well, but um, – well, not today, but in an article, but – that's it. Angie, give me your score prediction real quick. I'm going 59, uh, 28. Okay. Washington I'm gonna, State. Okay. I'm going to go 31, 17, Washington State. Wow. You're going to, okay. 31, yes. what was that? 17? 17. Okay. I, 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 I keep this because this is what we do. I mean, that's what Eric thought I copied him this week on our staff predictions. And I said, <laughs> no, man, you copied me because I put my prediction out there. In stone on Monday when we did the podcast. <laughs> yeah, that's true. In stone. <laughs> well, if you don't have anything else to add, Angie, oh. I, I want to thank our sponsors. Yes. Thank you. We... Body of Health, Chiropractic, and Wellness. And that you can find them at, at your body of, or www.yourbodyofhealth.com. Yes. And we do have a big announcement, but we have to wait until the next week. Ooh. Yes. We do have something big. But until then, I just want to thank you guys all for listening to another episode of The Damn Podcast with your host Marcus Greaves and Angie Machado. We'll be back next week on Monday again just to break down this Washington State game and then look forward to the next game that the Beavers have. Thank you guys for listening.